You know, back in March, um, we all began a very, very unfamiliar season. You know, it's like our entire life essentially changed overnight. You know, life, it seemed to be completely stripped away from us. And everything around us was in a state of being just paralyzed. Our school systems were paralyzed. Our government was paralyzed. Our homes were paralyzed. But I'm here today to tell you that I am so thankful that I serve a God that was not affected. That God continued to work. God continued to move. And he has not let up for one moment. You know, you can look around this room. You can look around this room and see that God has not stopped. You know, the joke in staff meeting nowadays is, I don't know who's here anymore. Do you recognize this family? Nope. Who's this couple? I don't know. But I am so thankful that that is evidence that God has been moving. Last Sunday, we had about 50 people join the fellowship in the work that God's doing here at Chestnut Mountain. It was absolutely, yeah, give God praise for that. And so I know there's still some visiting. I know there's still some that are here trying to discern, is this, the, is this the family that God has called me to be a part of? Is this where God wants my family to be to serve? And so what I'm hoping for the next four weeks is we begin to unpack who God has called us to be here at this local location that God will make it clear to you. Is this where he wants you and your family to be a part of the work that he's doing. And so for the next four weeks, now look, I know we're stepping outside. Um, something really is honestly uncomfortable for me because I've gotten very comfortable since March. We've just walked through books of the Bible. We walked through the entire book of 1 Corinthians. Then we're just now, we're not quite finished. We almost did last Sunday, but then we've walked through 1 John. And so we've not deviated from the word of God this entire time. We've not had to conjure up some series. We've not had to come up with some fancy title, but we've just simply opened God's word and we've seen it meet us every single week. Ever since March, that is something only God can do. And so even walking into this season for the next four weeks of talking about who we are as a church, just truthfully, it's a stretch because, man, it's gotten comfortable. It's gotten, I'm not gonna say easy, but it's become the thing now where we're just opening God's word and just walking through it. And so as we begin to unpack who we are, who God has called us to be here at Chestnut Mountain Church over the four weeks, before we start, before we jump in, I wanna be very clear about something. I want to be very clear about what the next four weeks is not, okay? And here's what I mean by that. What the next four weeks is not is it's not a promotion of a church name or a brand. It is not an advertisement to try to sell you on Chestnut Mountain Church, it's not an advertisement to try to make it look like we at Chestnut Mountain Church have it all figured out, that we're the perfect church, because I'll go ahead and tell you right now, we're not. The reason I know we're not is because I'm here. I heard an amen. Several of them. Cooper, I appreciate that, brother. 
but we are not the perfect church. What the next few weeks is not, is not an advertisement to tell you that we at Chestnut Mountain had this thing figured out. That the way we do things, the way God has called us to do things, is the only way, because it's not the only way. But what I do know, it, it is the way that he's called us as a local body of believers. And so while you hear what the next four weeks is not, what I want you to understand the next four weeks is, is it is the opportunity for us to share the vision and the mission, or even a better word, is the assignment that God has given Chestnut Mountain Church. And so as we unpack this, I hope that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you if this is the place for you to be a part of that or not. Because here's the reality. It may not be for you. It may not be where God wants you and your family to be. And guess what? That's completely okay. Because if God don't want you to be a part of this, I don't want you to be a part of this. I can help you find where God wants you to be. I will pray for you where God wants you to be because that's what I want you to hear our heart is, is that we're not about building some, some empire. We're all about building the kingdom. And if that's God using you here, that's great. And if it's not, that's great also. But my prayer is, is that God will send you where he wants to use you. That's what it's about. And so all through the New Testament, you see of churches that were being birthed or being set in locations. And the reason that they were being birthed where they were is so that they would have an influence on their community. And so the reason that God is doing the work that he's doing here at Chestnut Mountain Church is so that we can be used in our community. We can be used in the location that God has called us to be. You can be used in the location that God has called you to be. And I wanna tell you right now, this is the truth. You know, we can celebrate the, the, the people that joined our fellowship here last week, but what I want you to understand is what God is calling you to join is not some country club, not some place just to come on Sunday mornings. God is calling you to be a part of an army. God is calling you. He didn't call you here to come in this room and sit and just cheer on the things that God is doing. He called you here so that you can put your hands to the plow and go to the work with the mission that God has given us here. And man, that's exciting that God allows us to be a part of his work. You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, look, and here, here's the thing. This is difficult to me because we're bouncing all over the Bible. I like getting in a book and just reading some verses. It's simple for me. So this whole flipping back and forth thing, it gets my ADD, man, it kicks in and I'm scattered everywhere. So, but in Hebrews chapter 10, I want you to look at, while we're called to influence our community, look at another purpose and a challenge that the writer of Hebrews gives us in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. He said, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now listen, I love this about the church. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds, 
not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What I love about that last verse is that our duty and the responsibility as a follower of Christ, if God has called us to be a part of this family, my job, your job, is that we stimulate one another, that we prompt each other to do the good works of the kingdom. That is what we're supposed to do. We're to challenge one another. We're to call each other out when we're not serving. But then it also says, don't forsake the assembling together with others. So I want you to be in that mindset that God has called us to be a part of a local assembly. Let's don't forsake that. And I think if we all could be honest over that whole season of quarantine, of that lockdown, man, it created a desire in all of us to be with each other. We need each other as a church family. I need you. I don't know if you need me, but I need you. And so I think we recognized that when we were all isolated into our homes, that we realized, man, I've got to be with my people. I've got to be with the people. And look, that's not something unordinary. That's the way that God wired us. That's the way that he wired us. And so we see all of these examples in the New Testaments of these local churches that were planted, that were started. And what I want you to understand is this. The Chestnut Mountain Church is just a very, very small piece of the work that God is doing. We're a very, very minute piece of this mission that God has given all of the believers. But what we are responsible for is that minute piece. Because in order for the, the body of Christ to flourish, we've gotta do what God called us to do. We've gotta hold up our end of the bargain. We've gotta be true to who God has called us to be. And so for the next few weeks, that's what you're gonna hear. You're gonna hear the heart, you're gonna hear the vision, you're gonna hear the mission that God has called us to. Now, I want you to realize that what you're gonna hear is not something that, that Brian or this staff or the elders have came up with. That we think, man, this is just a great idea, this is, work. This is gonna work, this is gonna be. Because what you're gonna hear is very, very, very simple. In Proverbs 29, you, and you hear about this on the radio, it's a, it's a statement that you hear, or a verse that you hear quoted a lot, that without the vision, the people perish. And the context of Proverbs 29 that it's talking about is where these Old Testament prophets would spend time with God, God would give them a word, then they would, they would announce that word, but what it was a fruit of, it was a direct communication between God and that Old Testament prophet. And so what we're going to be sharing, I want you to hear me, it's not something that we found on the internet. It's not some copy and paste program that some other church is doing that works. What you're gonna be hearing, what you're gonna be sharing is us communicating, being on our face, being under my desk and asking God for direction. God, what does this look like? What are we called to do? And so what we're sharing is not some great ideas, but it's a an announcement of what God has spoken to myself, what God has spoken to this team, what God has spoken to our elders. And once he speaks that, guess what? 
we're responsible to fulfill it. We're responsible to fulfill the direction that God has called us to. But man, I am so thankful that I don't have to be the visionary. I'm not smart enough to be the visionary. God is the visionary. God is the one that opens our eyes to his plan, to what he wants us doing. But you know what I love most about the team that God has assembled here? Is that we're surrendered to the words of Jesus in John 15. I want you to flip there. And this is something that I want you to know that this is our heartbeat. That this is, we will never waver from this. And if we waver from this, I want you to call me out. If we waver from this. I want you to be honest with me and say, hey, we don't think you're abiding in him anymore. Look at what verses four and five, the words of Jesus in John 15. We read in verse four, it says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him He bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Church, the day we start trying to do kingdom work apart from God is the day we've missed it. Because it is very clear that he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Look, we can copy and paste programming. We can copy and paste what other churches are doing. But if it's not what the vine has told us the branches to do, then I will promise you it is going to fall flat on his face. Because we read here that apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. And so my prayer in the upcoming weeks is that If you're new here, maybe you're a new member or maybe you're still discerning if this is where God wants you to be. I pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you what your role is here. What time or what talent or what treasure has God given you that he wants you to let go of that will help this local assembly fulfill the vision and the mission that God has given us. Because like I said, if God's placed you here, He's got something for you that he wants you to use here. It's that simple. Maybe you've been a long time member. Look, I know there's some of you that have been members here longer than I've been alive. But maybe this is gonna be a reminder to you as to why God has called you here. Why God's had you here for 40 years. Why God's had you for 50 years. Can I tell you that the work's not finished? Is why God still has you here? You know, the last time we shared this was back in January of 2018. We shared with you what the mission statement was and but man, it's so amazing to see how God has built all of the structure around what this mission statement is. And so maybe that we need to be reminded of of who God has called us here at this local location to be. And you may ask the question, well, what is our mission? You've heard it. 
You've heard it a thousand times. You heard Jared mention it just a moment ago. But our mission statement here is to saturate the world with the good news. To saturate the world with the good news. Now, look, I wish I could tell you that, man, that that statement, that that came from, man, some, some, some book of the Bible that we don't read a lot. Maybe from the book of Habakkuk. God revealed this to me in Leviticus. No. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Very simple. We all know it for the most part. But Matthew 28, 19. Jesus starts it out and he says, go. We could really stop right there. But he says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. You know, the one word that the Holy Spirit has just illuminated in that passage to us here is the simple word, go. It's the whole heart behind the Go Weekend that we're doing in a few weeks. But you know, if we're not careful, the modern day church has the tendency to flip this upside down on its head. And what I mean by that is we've taken this verse and we've really kind of thrown it out the window. And the modern day church, instead of abiding by the words of Jesus, instead of surrendering to what God has instructed us to do, instead of the church going, we're trying to build an environment where people will come and see us. And I hope you will hold my feet to the fire that we will never become that location that announces to the world that says, hey, come and see us. Because at the end of the day, if we're not doing what the commandment of Jesus says, and that's to go, we're missing it. So let us never be the church that says, hey, come and see, but we're always going to be the church that is going to do. Because that is the commandment of Jesus. It's not Brian's word. It's not the staff's word. This is the commandment of our Lord and Savior is for us to continue to go. But if we're not careful, we will lose sight of this. And instead of going, we're going to be telling people, hey, just come, just come and see. Just come and see. Come and see our brand. Come and see our name. Come and see Chestnut Mountain Church. But that's not at all what Christ has commanded us to do. He's told us to saturate the world with the good news. The only way that we're ever going to saturate the world with the good news is by going. That's it. Man, that's a very complex plan, isn't it? Let's go. October 24th. You heard Jared announce a minute ago that we need 100 volunteers to do just that. To go to our community. We're going to be going to all the locations that you heard about. There's some families that we minister to through our food pantry that are widows, that they're shut-ins, that they're disabled, and we're going to go help. 
We're going to go, and we're going to love them. We're going to go to Marlowe Drive. We're going to go to the Budgetel Inn. But you see, I don't care if you go. And I don't care if you do not mention a church name. You're not going to Marlowe. You're not going to the Budgetel Inn. You're not going to do yard work to advertise the name of Chestnut Mountain Church. I could care less if you ever tell them what church you're from. But you just tell them that you're there to serve your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. So we do. We need about 20 trunk or treat commitments. You say, what's trunk or treat? You just make your car look funny. And you stand there and you pass out candy and love on kids. It's that simple. In church, I can tell you right now, if you will taste and see that the Lord is good, you will never not want to be a part of it. So good. We go over to Marlowe Drive just over COVID when we were quarantined. These kids needed a basketball goal. Because theirs was broken in this community. And we rolled up one day with a basketball goal. How many of you have basketball goals in your yard that nets are falling off of that are, you hate them because you have to weed eat around them? Everybody in here. But can I tell you, when we pull up in that community with a simple basketball goal, and you watch kids from the ages of four to the ages of 15 to flock to a basketball goal. And then what breaks your heart is, you know what they said? Oh, my goodness. It's brand new. It's brand new. You know what that tells me? They're used to leftovers. Aren't you thankful that when it came to the gospel, Jesus Christ didn't give us his leftovers? He gave us all of him, everything he had to give, he gave it. And church, you get an opportunity to see that. We get an opportunity to go, so don't miss out. I'm just telling you. On October 24th, don't go because Brian's asking you to go. Go because Jesus has commanded you to go. It's that simple. Go because Jesus has commanded you to go. And I understand since March, our going has had to look a lot different. You understand that October 24th is the first thing that we've been able to do outside in our community since this chaos started. So there ought to be an excitement within us that we're like, man, you just tell me when. Because we've been grounded for a long time now. So you tell me when I get the opportunity to go. And man, I cannot wait till we're able to get on airplanes again. Right before COVID hit, we were about to take about 20 of our people from here to Nepal to again, saturate the world with the good news. So as soon as we're ready, as soon or not ready, we've been ready. As soon as we're able, going is going to continue to expand. 
And my heartbeat is this, is that the church that stops going stops growing. Why do you think the Dead Sea is dead? Because all it's about is stuff coming in. It's never sending stuff out. Everything comes to the Dead Sea to stay there. So church, as we prompt you, as we provoke you to the, do the good works, it's because we don't want you to come and just sit in here. We want you to come here and our job is to equip you for the work of the kingdom. And then our job is to equip you, to love you, to send you out. That's what brings life. That is when we're fulfilling the mission that God has called us to here. It's not about building a name or a brand. So the mission statement here is to saturate the world with the good news. And so what I'm going to share with you now is kind of the introductory to where we're headed for the next four weeks. We're going to be sharing the four pillars that hold up our mission statement of saturating the world with the good news. There's four ways that God has, has told us, has instructed us to equip you in order to saturate the world with the good news. And so here, here's this. Here's our vision statement, if you would. Here's what holds up our mission. CMC, Chestnut Mountain Church, is to be a community of believers found in Christ, established on Christ, making disciples of Christ, and sending disciples for Christ. Now, I know you may get lost in all of that verbiage, and so here's what I want you to realize. There's only four words you really need to remember. Found, established, making, and sending. You got a test on it next Sunday. Go study. Found, established, making, sending. That are the four, that's the four pillars that support our mission statement of saturating the world with the good news. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna kind of unpack all of these four pillars over the next three weeks after today. But before we really jump into found in Christ, if you notice in the very first sentence of that vision statement is the word that we are a community of believers. Now community comes from the, the Greek word quinonia, which means an association or a joint participation. And so when we hear of this community, what we understand a community to be is a picture of people coming together for one purpose. Now listen, here's what I want you to understand. Our purpose is to go and to make disciples of all nations. But however, God is going to call every local assembly and give us different ways to do that. And so what we're sharing is the way that God has called Chestnut Mountain Church to do that. And so it doesn't say that the way that he's called us to is the only way. Because we're going to be able to do things here that maybe Christ's place is not going to be doing. Or maybe we're going to be doing things that, that here that maybe Free Chapel doesn't do. But it's all going to look different based off the calling. And it's not to say one is better than the other. I am thankful for Free Chapel. I am thankful for Christ's place. And I am thankful that God didn't call us all to do the same thing. But the question is, is where has God called you to be a part of his mission? Where is that? Is it to this community? You know, there's a, there's a 
a story that to me paints the most beautiful picture of community. And it's, uh, it took place on an airplane on a, on a date that you might remember that was September 11th. And this is the plane that you don't hear a lot about. I've actually shared this before. It may have been a couple of years ago. But it was the airplane flight number 93. It's not one of the planes that hit the Trade Center. It wasn't one of the ones that hit the Pentagon. It actually landed out in the middle of a field. I believe it was in Pennsylvania. It crashed. But the most beautiful picture of community took place on Flight 93. You see, there was a guy by the name of Todd Beamer. And what he did was he rallied a community. He rallied a group of people that came from all different walks of life, that came from all different locations, and he shared a vision with them. He shared a mission with them. Because in that moment, the plane had already been hijacked, the pilots had been murdered, and the terrorists had taken over the cockpit of Flight 93. And they had gotten word that this was headed to the Capitol and that their job was to destroy the capital of the United States. And so what Todd Beamer did was he pulled a group of people together on this plane and he says, look, we're not going to let this happen. And so he called, the, 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 the way the story is played out is he ended up calling the, the air traffic control, I guess you would, and he was explaining to the dispatch lady what was taking place. He said, look, here's our flight. We've been hijacked. Where There's rumor where we know where they're headed, but here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take over the cockpit of this airplane and we're not gonna let the enemy have his way. And so as the dispatch lady listened on the phone, she was hearing him give instruction she was hearing him rally this group together for one purpose. And that was to make sure the enemy didn't win. And the way the story goes, it said that they heard them repeat the Lord's Prayer. And the last two words before they hung the phone up was, let's roll. That was the last time they heard. The next thing they knew the fruit of a community coming together, the fruit of people coming together with one purpose and one mission is the fact that the enemy did not win. Church, I wanna be a part of something like that with a community of believers with one heart, with one purpose and where we lock arms and we say together, let's roll. Now, I know that's offensive to some of you because I know it's in the middle of college football season and you relate that to one state over, but that's not at all what that's about. Not at all what that's about. <laughs> Got an amen. But I want to be a part of something that radical. But this must be a picture of the community that God has assembled here. Is that we're going to lock arms and we're going to do whatever it is that God called us to do. And I know if I ask you the question, what, what united this group? What united the group on that airplane? And I think we would all agree that what united that group was Flight 93. That's the one thing that they all had in common. So if I were to ask you the same question, what unites us here today? 
what unites us here. And our knee-jerk response to that could very easily be, hey, what unites us is that we're part of Chestnut Mountain Church. And while, yes, there's some truth in that, however, it's much, much bigger than that. What unites this community of believers is, yes, the name of Chestnut Mountain Church, but what trumps any church name is what unites us is the name of Jesus Christ. And while we're united together under the name of Jesus Christ, guess what? We're united to all the churches who are united under the name of Jesus Christ. There's unity in that. There's beauty in that because guess what? We're not all gonna look the same. We're not all gonna talk the same. But the bottom line is, is we are all united under one name and that is the one thing that we have in common and that is the shed blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to all of our lives. That's what unites us. So that is what brings us to the first pillar that supports our mission. And that is that we are found in Christ. I want you to flip to Galatians chapter three. Galatians chapter three. Galatians chapter three, verses 26 through 28. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So we are all found in Christ. Our salvation is through Christ and Christ alone. What has united us as a community of believers is that we are all acknowledging that we were fully dependent upon the, the, the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Fully dependent upon it. It is not our faith plus how good of a person we are. It's not our faith plus how much we give on Sundays. It's not our faith plus what church name that we are a part of. But it is by our faith plus nothing else is what equals our salvation. That is where salvation is from. Is it's through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. That is is it. But you know what's heartbreaking is that there's some in this room today that you don't trust that. Maybe you grew up in a world where you were told that you had to do this or you had to do that to make God love you. That you had to do this or you had to do that. You had to follow some rules in order to earn the approval of God. And I would agree with you, that is the most exhausting place to live. It's an exhausting place to try to think we have the ability to please God. 
But you know, we've watched this since the beginning of creation. It's exactly what Adam and Eve did. When they recognized that they were sinful people, when they fell, how did they respond as they ran and they hid from God? And it says that they began to, they realized that they were naked. So the scales had fallen from their eyes. They had seen sin because they had just committed the fall of man. And then all of a sudden, what they begin to do is they begin to try to cover up their nakedness. They begin to try to cover up their sin because they thought they had it in them to make God love them. And so there was the launching pad for this rescue story that we read from Genesis all the way to Revelation that we don't have it in us to try to hide sin. We don't have it in us to please God. The only way that we please God is by placing our full faith and dependency upon the life of Jesus Christ. That's it. We trust him for salvation. You know, there's a, a quote that I have shared 8,004 times. And it's by the, the pastor named J.D. Greer. And it says that in Christ, there's nothing that I can do to make him love me more. And there's nothing that I have done that can make him love me less. Man, that's the gospel in a nutshell. That there is nothing that I can do to make God love me any more than he already does. And there's nothing that I have done or am going to do that will make him love me any less than he does right now. That's the gospel. That's this good news that we are talking about. And that's what Paul has just, what we've just read in Galatians there. He's telling us that our identity before God has nothing to do with our past. It has nothing to do with our performance, but it's only through the finished work of him. We're just saying it is finished. We worshiped to the song, it is finished. We worshiped through the song, it is finished. But are we living it that it is finished? Are we still held by the bondage of thinking that we have it in us to make God love us more? And this good news that it's all about Jesus is the very news that we saturate the world with. And when we as a believer can embrace that good news, when we can embrace the finished work of Jesus Christ, it prompts a response. When we can embrace a love like that, it sparks a response. You know, I know all day yesterday, some of you, on a beautiful day like we had yesterday, you sat inside and you watched college football all day. You're just thankful we had it to watch. But every time your team scored, you cheered. It was a response to something you observed. It was a response to something you saw. You remember as a school kid when you would pass a test 
Man, you would celebrate, you would cheer, you would clap. But if you're like me in most cases, I didn't pass it and I just cried. But there's always things that we walk through that we experience that create a response. You know, maybe you're a husband and wife and you've been trying to have a child. And you find out you're with child. The women leap for joy. The guys cry like babies. But it prompts a response. When we realize that our eternity, listen to this, when we realize that our eternity is based off the finished work of someone else, should that not prompt a response? When we realize our eternity has been impacted by something someone else did, that ought to birth a response in us that we can't even explain. When we realize that an eternity has been based off what somebody else has done for you, when you have the opportunity on October 24th to go and tell other people of this news, we shouldn't have to stand up here and beg you. You ought to be saying, sign me up. You know, and I'm a very common sense, logical guy. And so I want to wrap this up with a very simple analogy. I guess you could call it a modern day parable, but this is not something earth shattering, but it's something that God revealed to me probably 10 years ago in student ministry. And it just paints the picture of what a response looks like or what it should look like. So here's how the, the parable goes. Let's just say that me and Brandon, for instance, are walking out in the parking lot after church today. And, and I take note of some, some young teenagers that are hiding up on top of the building. And, you know, you can see them laughing. You can see them cutting up. You know what they're about to do. And you see they've got water balloons all in their hands. And so I know that Brandon's their target. And I know they're about to start trying to hit him. And so in that moment, I see what they're doing and I reach over and I, I grab my brother Brandon and I throw him out of the way as the balloons are beginning to fall from the sky and all of a sudden the balloons begin to splat on the ground. They didn't hit their intended target because I stepped up to the plate and I moved him. And so we look around, we laugh. Brandon probably pats me on the back and says, thanks, buddy, old pal. Appreciate that. Was it a life-changing moment? No, he just didn't get wet. I didn't have to watch him beat up a teenager. But now let's take the story just a little bit further. Let's say that Brandon and I are walking in the parking lot again, just talking, same scenario. And all of a sudden in the back, back, background, I hear the roaring engine of a car or truck. and I hear tires squalling and I hear it approaching very quickly. 
And as we come around the building, we're faced head on with the approaching vehicle. So I respond the very same way that I did to the water balloons. I reach over and I grab my brother and I push him and I throw him out of the way. He falls flat on his face and he lands on the ground and he he jumps up and he begins to dust himself off, not realizing what even happened. And he turns around and he looks it for me. And there I'm laying there lifeless on the ground because the car that was headed towards him I removed him from the equation and I stepped in the place and I took what was headed towards him. Do you think Brandon's gonna look over at me and go, thanks buddy old pal, appreciate that. End of story, no. I can tell you that Brandon Hernandez is gonna spend the rest of his days proclaiming and announcing and telling everyone what I did for him on that day. That there was a car that was headed right towards him to take his life, to destroy him. But the fact is, is that a guy named Brian loved me enough to throw me out of the way and step right in the way and take the very thing that was headed towards me. Can I tell you that that's exactly what the gospel is about? That's exactly who Jesus did because the the wrath of God was headed for you. The wrath of God was headed for me. Jesus loved you enough. He loved me enough that he pushed us out of the way and he said I'm willing to take on the wrath of God so that it will save my child why in the world church are we not telling people that that's what Jesus Christ did why are we not telling them because here's the reality when we fully understand that it does nothing but birth a response in us we can't look at Jesus and say thanks buddy old pal appreciate that No, we're gonna devote the rest of our life to making sure the name of Jesus is made famous. Not the name of Chestnut Mountain, not the name of Christ Place, not the name of Free Chapel, but the name above all names, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. And that is what we celebrate. That is what we brag about. Was what he did. But church, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. There's no way that we're impacted by such a love as that. And not telling people about it. Not living about it. Not celebrating it. So I say all that to say the The first pillar that supports our mission here to saturate the world with the good news is that we've got to realize that you are found in Christ. If that is the good news, that's the only news we share. But as you heard Jared say just a moment ago, you got to know the good news to share the good news. And there's no doubt that in this room, There's no doubt that at nine o'clock, there's somebody in our presence that hasn't surrendered to this good news. And my prayer has been that their eyes would be opened, that 
eternal life is only through Christ and Christ alone. So what unifies us as a community of believers is Jesus. It's that simple. And as we're united under one name, what God has called us to do here at Chestnut Mountain Church is to go and to saturate the world with the good news. We're not trying to build some kingdom so that people can come and see us. But what we're doing is we're going and we're loving. We're going and we're telling. And so if you're here this morning and you can say, man, I don't know if I've got any good news to tell. I've never surrendered my heart and my life to Christ. I've never fully trusted in the finished work of the cross. And man, I invite you to do that today. I invite you into the big family. But I also pray this morning that maybe you've been visiting sometime with us since March. I want you to know that God wants you to be a part of a local assembly of believers. And maybe you're trying to discern where is it that God wants me to be? Where can I be on mission? Where can I walk in the giftedness that God has given me? Maybe you need to be in this altar this morning and say, God, is this it? If this is it? Because if it's not, look, that's okay. That's okay. I'll even help you find where God wants you to be. It ain't gonna hurt my feelings. But maybe this morning you're here and you know the good news. You've experienced the good news. You walk in the good news, but you're not telling the good news. A great place to start this morning would be on your face, repenting before God and saying, God, you've changed my forever. And God, I'm sorry that I'm not telling people about it. God, I just pray that right now as your spirit is very evident God in this room Lord I pray that we would surrender to that God if there's somebody here that doesn't know you that have never trusted this good news Lord I pray today that they would surrender to that good news and that today is the day of their salvation because God what a way to celebrate this morning but God maybe we as the church maybe even beginning with me God I need to Repent and say, I'm sorry that I've not made your name famous. God, I pray for those families who are wrestling with where God wants them. And God, I pray that you would speak loud and clear. If it's here or if it's not. And so God, we thank you that you do speak. We thank you for your living word. And we praise you this morning in Jesus' name.